It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Fort Nine, the horn, five one two Friday. That's when or at location. your crib. Or at your crib. Yeah. Be a safe place sending texts to us, guys. But we're getting texts that there is hell in Round Rock, uh Cedar Park, Leander. Uh so thanks to all the for all, all the uh, weather reports from our uh listeners on the Specs Text Line. You guys are fantastic. All right, please be safe out there, those first and foremost. All right, gentlemen. Uh, where do you want to start here? We can start with the Texans. We can start with Bijan, or we can go Cowboys. We haven't talked a lot of Bijan. We have so not let's talked Bijan. Let's go ahead and get on. Let's Bijan. go. Let's start talking Bijan here. Yep. So Bijan, with the uh, eighth overall pick, ends up going to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, yes, uh, Philadelphia. I, I still believe Philadelphia w- was going to pick him potentially. I still do. Do we still think Philadelphia might have picked him yep. if he was there? Or no? Oh, yes. I think so. 100%. I think, I think they there, could they have. I know it would have been a hard pick between him and Jalen Carter. Of course it is. Because exactly. of how, totally how Howie Roseman is, that it seems like he would be more his thing. But they might have stayed at 10 and seen what happened at 9 and taken whoever was left. Okay. Because yeah. uh, yep. they trade up to 9 to get Jalen Carter. So I think it's possible they could have just been like, well, there's two guys and we're good with either one of them. Yep. I'm with you on that too. And it seems like the draft just worked out for – <laughs> the, yes. the Eagles, anyway. Yeah. Where you look at it, the, sorry, the 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 Philly Dogs, which yep, they have yep. a couple because they got four uh, Georgia Bulldogs now in that front seven. Uh, they've drafted in the last two years. But getting back to Bijan, um, drafted by the Falcons, and I I just tell you, just from a guy, a football theorist standpoint, I do love the pick for Bijan. I don't love it for the Falcons, but I love it for Bijan. It's weird, like because I think for the Falcons, by the time they are competing for championships, if they are at one point going to compete for championships during Bijan's tenure there. One percent run rate, gentlemen. That is the highest in the NFL. Nobody runs the rock as much as Atlanta really does on first down. They run it a ton on first down. That's their first down run rate, 51 percent highest in the league. And San Fran is 46 percent, Chicago 48 percent. Atlanta wants to run the ball, and they don't care who knows it. Right. They're not trying to hide that fact. No, <laughs> and that's where they're strong at. I mean, that's who they are on the run game. And now you have somebody that can come in and be dynamic for you. To your point, Cardell Patterson is one of the – I know we don't talk a lot of fantasy fo- – oh, my goodness, look outside. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like a scene out of Game of Thrones. Oh, my goodness, man. When, yeah, <laughs> Sorry like about that, guys. No, I'm with you. It is, I'm with you. Yeah, it shocked me, too. It, it was really shocking when I kind of turned to my yeah. right. But I was looking at what you were talking about. When you talk fantasy football, 
Cordero Patterson was one of those guys that you never knew where you could pick him up at. Mm-hmm. You never understood, is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? Sometimes he had to be the flex. So there's different things that you look at this football team and where the need is. Bijan fits all of those needs yes, because he, he, too, can be a positionless football mm-hmm. player. You can line him up in the slot. We talked a lot about that. You can line him at the, at the running back position. You can put him at the wide receiver position. There are so many different things that you can use him in that position to, to kind of uh, change the dynamic of your organization. So here's the other part of it. Here's the other part that I keep thinking about. You were talking about um, if he would have went to Philadelphia. What is Desmond Ritter? In this role, you know, because we've seen him throw the ball around. We've seen him run because remember, he was doing a lot of that at Cincinnati. So is this offense going to be kind of catered to that type of offense? Is it going to be? Well, now that, you know, you always talk about a copycat league. Are they going to look at what Atlanta was at? I mean, excuse me, what Philadelphia was able to do and see if they can present it that way? and create that offense as well so they can run that veer offense where they can get outside and maybe, you know, zone scheming it for Bijan? I don't know. They may be able to design mm-hmm. that to where they try to uh, duplicate what Philadelphia was doing. So we'll see how they're going to use them and what the situation is going to be. But to your point, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that he went that way. I'm, I'm cl- glad he went to Atlanta. And there's a rapper in Atlanta that does it. He feels the same way you do. Maybe they thought he was going to go defensive tackle, get Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. They love Bijan, kind of like you, but where is the other fit in all the other gaps that you're going to need to fill? Yeah, no, it, this is how much you know, Atlanta is devoted to running the ball. Um, and this is, like I said, this is through week seven of last season. And after that, I stopped watching. I think that was the last game I watched them like during the regular season tracking them was that Bengals game. They lost to the Bengals, I think, 35-17. to 17. Mm-hmm. Um, They passed the ball just 13 times in that game. It was the second fewest attempts in a game uh, uh, in the NFL up until that point in the entire season. Yep. I believe they ended up. They were like three and three at the point at that at that point. They're three and four uh, after that because they lost that game and they were trailing most of the game. Yeah. And they still just decided to run the football. Atlanta fans were livid because they kept they kept saying basically you're waving the white flag the whole game. He believes his his running game is that explosive though that he can control the game but also get big plays out of it. Mm-hmm. That's also why he wants Bijan. He actually wants to be able to run the ball even when they're down. They were they were down. Uh, yeah, they trailed yeah. by 18 in the fourth quarter, and basically they trailed by at least two scores for over 80 percent of that game. I remember and that. And still ran yeah. the rock. Yeah. And only threw it 13 times. That's what they want to do. Um, and when you looked at the time, at the time, all right, through week seven, Atlanta was tied for first in early down rush rate with 64%. And they were just passing 37% of the time in the second half of their games. That was the lowest rate of any team in the last 10 years in the NFL. Yeah. He does not, like, he, he's kind of old school, kind of Daryl K. Royal. Remember, he's coming from the Tennessee Titans, and he truly believes that when you throw the ball, uh, you know, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Yeah, He wants to run the rock. And the Falcons were really good through week seven. The Falcons, points, uh, their points per drive, their passing uh, expectations, all of those ranked in the top ten. Uh, points added per play, all those ranked really, really high. So they were a really efficient offense. That's why people were paying attention to them. But at that point, they were only only averaging 17 passes per game. Yeah. Which was the second fewest pass attempts 
per game by a team uh, since 1990 at that point. Um, so they did. They just didn't want to throw the football with Bijan. They don't have to. You know, early down or early downs, like first down, they're in a power package to run the ball. Probably sixty-seven percent of the time, they run twenty-one personnel on first down, twenty-two percent of the time, twenty-two personnel, two backs, two tight ends, eleven percent of the time, thirteen personnel, three tight ends, seven percent of the time, twelve personnel, one back, two tight ends, twenty-seven percent of the time. They run a lot of power packages. And they're going to use Bijan until they use him up. So it's good for Bijan. It definitely is. But it's bad for Atlanta because, like I said, you got to sign him to a second contract, and it's probably not going to be a wise investment once you have to you know, double down on that investment. But that's why I say, I mean, don't, don't look at it that way. Look at what I'm going to use up what I got. I'm going to go ahead and, and let him go somewhere else, let somebody else pay him. But we're going to get the best out of him right now. Yeah. Let's get everything we could possibly get because we've been talking about this uh, running back market, and I still believe that if I was a team that was close, I would have traded up to get him and used him up to get me over the top, and then whatever happened after that was going to happen. That's why I thought Philadelphia was going to go get him. I thought for sure mm-hmm. that they were going to try to make that move because there was no way. Because when you start looking, you talked about Daniel Jeremiah and his final final push at the end, his mock draft. He had Bijan going to Atlanta. He did. He got and that's right why too. when you start looking at it, you're like, man, if these many people are looking at Atlanta, I saw some other people had them possibly well, Vegas, going to Atlanta. Vegas was the Vegas had Atlanta as the favorite yep. right before the draft to be the team that drafted B.J. Right. So it was something brewing about Atlanta. And that's why I'm saying yeah. and, and, and I was Philadelphia and I looked at that position, I would have been like, yeah, I'm going to get this dude. It's only, what, two picks ahead? It was mm-hmm. only two picks ahead. And there were there were trades that were happening. They were just flipping spots in certain areas a bunch of the teams yesterday, and, and which was weird. Yeah, the Lions traded their pick at six. So you yeah. could have gone up to six to get them. Yep. Because the Raiders didn't trade. They may have thrown off or came along. But the Lions did trade their pick. I will say about Bijan real quick. Arthur Blank also as an owner is a extremely active in the community guy. Yep. And, and so drafting Bijan yep. is a type of thing that is not only a football decision, but for him off of the football field, he is a perfect fit for a guy that he can use to be, hey, this can be our part to get involved in the community and help out Atlanta. So I think there is added into it for Arthur Blank of now we have a face of the franchise that we like because we can't sell Desmond Ritter as that. We don't really have another guy that we can sell as that face. And if we draft Jalen Carter, who people want, we can't put him out week one as a face of this franchise either because he's got issues that people don't necessarily want to – you don't want the backlash of putting him out as the number one as a face of your franchise. So I think there may be something to that as well of, hey, this is a guy we can put out. He's going to be a community guy, and hopefully we can have him here forever, even though that means we pay him we may not be have the best shot to win it all. I think there is that plays into it a bit with an owner like Arthur Blank. And he yeah. also has a connection to the University of Texas because he made a huge donation to help with the uh, award. He awarded Texas a $20 million legacy grant for the mm-hmm. stuttering education. So he spent time here in Austin, probably spent a lot of time around Bijan, loved the kid, and like you said, his philanthropy part of it is going to be mm-hmm. big over there. You guys know who Tyler Algier is? Yes. I mean, he is the running back who was drafted in the fifth round by the Atlanta Falcons last year and rushed for over 1,000 yards in seven starts. Yeah, he's out of there. Well, I know he is, <laughs> but it kind of goes to why the for value. Atlanta. Like, yeah. It's not a great pick for Atlanta. It's a right. great no, place. I know. It's a great place for Bijan. They, they no, lead no the doubt. NFL. No I gave doubt. you all the stats. Lead the NFL on players. So it's a great place for him. He's going to be fine. Yep. Like I said, in terms of 
team value. They had a running back just rush for a thousand yards in that system who was drafted in the fifth round <laughs> in seven games, right in seven yeah. starts. Yeah. So yeah. you know yeah. you can run the rock. Now, yeah. like I said, he believes in running the rock so much that he's like, no, I want a trend. I want a generational. Yep. transcended back in the backfield with my concepts and with my offensive acumen in my system and then it's going to be a a you know a game changing offense it's going to be an elite explosive offense that's able to still lead the NFL in run rate pretty much and be yep. one of the most uh, you know, run-heavy teams, but also be able to utilize a ton of play action and throw it downfield. But it's just interesting. I'm just saying from a team perspective, like I said, I don't know if it's great because only 38% of running backs uh, are extended to their second contract or at least exercised with a fifth-year option. That is the lowest of all the positions. And we know it's the shortest career length of any position. I love Bijan. He's great. I think he's the exception to the rule. But the rule is the rule. The rule yep. is the rule because we got analytics and stats and sample size to back it up. Running backs have a two-and-a-half-year shelf life. Yep. And this, this experiment of drafting running backs this high, who has it worked out for again? What team has oh, no, been I, able to win a championship with that? Drafting a running back in the top ten. Well, who has done it? Like it just doesn't work to, for the team. For the player, it's great. Like I said, yeah. Bijan's yeah. gonna be awesome. He's gonna be. This is actually arguably one of the top three best offenses he could play in in the NFL. Exactly. I'm telling you right now, that's from a football theory standpoint. But from a value standpoint, from a team standpoint, it's not a great pick for them. And by the way, Detroit, you're stupid. If you're gonna draft Jameer Gibbs. Why not just draft Bijan if yeah, you want a running back anyway? No, I, I'm aware. So you you reached on Jameer Gibbs <laughs> I'm aware. when you should have just just you should have just reached on Bijan. If you don't reach right. for a running back, reach for the best one. Yeah. yeah. No, I no, I get that. Crazy. No, I did see that uh, Atlanta had come out and said when people were talking about Algier, they said, Look, where there is this place for both of them because we're gonna run the ball so much. Uh, and they said basically Bijan is an all purpose back who can do with so many things. Tyler Algier is a sledgehammer. So they, their thing was, look, we get it. Algier can do one thing, and he can do it really well, but he does one thing, and it's going to be running right through the gaps. He's going to be doing that, and I think what you said earlier was explosive plays. They want explosive They plays. didn't get enough explosive plays out of Algier, and that's why they wanted to get another guy in there. So you're like, look, we can beat down the D-line with Algier and kind of you know, pace ourselves there, but we need a B. John Robinson that we can flip out and put in different situations to get 40 yards on a play, 50 yards on a play, but still running the ball. No, like I said, it's – I love – like I said, it's going to make must-watch television for me, Bijan Robinson being in that offense. But like I said, we look at it from the player perspective and from the team perspective. Uh, since 1980, since I was born, <laughs> running backs have been drafted in the top 10 45 times. Three of them have won a Super Bowl. Uh, and basically, if you look at three of the ones who Marcus Allen did it with the – uh, Raiders, Jamal Lewis did it with the Ravens, and Reggie Bush did it with the Saints, even though he really didn't play much. He was kind of an afterthought by then. Tony Dorsett? He uh, doesn't count? I, that's not the stat that I have. No. But, <laughs> that was that. It, but it's been a while was, anyway, that, too. It was, it was in 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know when Tony I don't know when Tony Dorsett was drafted. I couldn't tell off the top of my head. I think he uh, was in the 70s. Uh, others, have, <laughs> yeah, others have won Super Bowls, uh, drafted in the top 10 with a team that drafted uh, – with another team, though. Marshall Falk did it, Jerome Bettis, Leonard Fournette. That's likely Bijan. Right. He ain't going to – the Atlanta Falcons ain't about to compete for a Super Bowl. No, they're not. They're just about not. to put a really entertaining product on the field. And by the time they are ready to compete for a Super Bowl, Bijan's going to be looking for that second contract. Yeah, no doubt. 
And that's when they got to have a tough conversation. Well, then somebody else's treasure. You no, know exactly. exactly. Right. He ends up being a, Mar- a Marshall Falk or a Christian yep. McCaffrey, what yep. he is right now with the 49ers trying to do that, or Leonard Fournette, one of those guys. Yep. Um, okay, let's get to um, the Cowboys and the Texans. So what we'll do is this Rod's round of the day. We're just going to turn it into an NFL draft conversation. So coming back on the side, we'll talk Cowboys and their pick of Mozzie Smith. We'll play the Micah Parsons reaction. Uh, Jerry Jones <laughs> made the call. Tamazi will play that for you as well. And also we'll talk about the Texans, who a lot of people say might have won this draft. Uh, did they spend too much? We'll discuss that as well. All of that and more right here on Baldwin Online 149. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We're just going to continue our conversation about the NFL draft. We'll get to the Texans here and then the Cowboys. So Texans uh, made a, I don't know if I can call it a splash movement. It was bigger than a splash. Uh, felt more like some uh, some monster tidal wave of, uh, uh, that they made in the NFL draft when they drafted C.J. Stroud number two overall, then traded back up to the number three overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals to draft Will Anderson. Uh, The way it went down, basically the Cardinals and the Texans swapped the first-round picks they had this year, so a 3-4-12, and then the Cardinals get... In addition to that third round pick, the Cardinals will get a, the pick thirty three, um, which is their the Texans second round pick, which is you know eh, very close to being a first round pick, an early second round pick. They also get a first in twenty twenty four next year, and then they'll get a third in twenty twenty four as well. The Texans will get a a fourth round pick in exchange, so they basically get the third round, the third pick overall this year, and then a fourth round pick next year. Uh, but if you look at it and break it down, and I got these numbers. From actually, it was um, oh, football perspective is one place that I actually got them. But based on the Jimmy Johnson value chart, I went to Pro Football Focus, and they have what they have their Jimmy Johnson's old draft value chart, which has become famous, and everybody has their own version of it now. But he was the first one to do it. And if you just assume, because the Texans, the one, the first round pick they traded was the Browns' first round pick. Uh, so they're banking on their own pick being. Oh, sorry, pick it back. They it, what the pick that they traded twenty twenty four first round pick in Texas traded uh, was Houston's pick. So they trade their own pick, not the Cleveland pick. So they're banking on. I guess you know Cleveland ended up. They're going to end up with a bad pick if they, or at least the Cardinals, excuse me, will end up with uh, a pick that has less value because they're assuming they're going to be pretty good. So they traded their pick, not the Cleveland first-round pick they got in exchange for the Deshaun Watson thing. Sorry about the confusion. But getting back to the Jimmy Johnson value chart. So if you assume the Texans are going to be the 10th best team in the league, let's just throw it out there, even though they're not. But they could be, all right? And that's being pretty generous. The Based on the Jimmy Johnson value chart, that trade, all the draft picks, draft capital they traded away, was 149.3% on the Jimmy Johnson value chart. 187.7% on the football perspective chart to move up to get Anderson with pick over pick number three overall. 
that difference equal to like the 13th pick overall on the Jimmy Johnson value chart and the third pick overall in the uh, football perspective chart. So it, if you if you throw together the 13th pick they had this year, the 12th pick they had this year, throw in the first-round pick from next year and any the 33rd overall pick from this year, which is very close to being a first-round pick, essentially the draft value chart will tell you that's three first-round picks. Now, you did get one in return because you got the number three overall pick, but that's a lot to give up. And I, I, I actually really love the Texans' move. I thought it was necessary, and I'm fine with them paying such a high price. They have a ton of draft capital. They got 11 picks still next year. So they, they still have a ton of draft capital. Not enough to control the draft, but they had enough prior to this draft to control this draft and next draft. And here's why I'm fine with the price they paid, even though, yes, you can make the argument they overpaid to move up that high. The NFL draft is a lottery. The more tickets you have, the more chances you have to win the lottery. Can't win a lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So... The Texans have had a, a ton of incompetence and ineptitude and dysfunction the last three, four years within that organization. And whether you're talking about Jack Easterby or Bill O'Brien or the Deshaun Watson fiasco um, or whether you're talking about the back-to-back one-and-done head coaches, either way, I mean, that it adds up. The incompetence, the gross imbecility, ineptitude, it adds up over time. And so in order to transform this organization from being a fuster cluck and a dumpster fire of an organization to being a competitive NFL franchise, they need to take the necessary steps. And desperate times call for desperate measures, and there's no doubt the Texans are desperate. All right, They're desperate to get out of the gutter of the NFL where they are now. So I'm fine with what they did because life and football are both, you know, they are both constant struggles between external and internal uh, struggles deciding between what we want to be and what we need to be. And the Texans want to be a lot of things. They want to be the Patriots of the South. They wanted to be a faith-based football organization for a while, be the Chick-fil-A of the NFL. Like I said, your Nuggets ain't that good, that damn good. Only thing they got in, in, in common with <laughs> Chick-fil-A is that they closed on Sundays for a long time as well. But they're not good enough to be a faith-based organization like Chick-fil-A. Um, they wanted to be a, uh, like I said, and, and even recently, I think they wanted to be the Bama of the NFL. Remember? If they don't screw up the tankathon, they get Bryce Young. They get the first overall pick. They get their Bryce Young. And then they probably still try to move all the way up to get Will Anderson then, too. They probably, yep. st- they probably still make the same move yep. with a head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who's a Bama guy, right? <laughs> uh, and Bryce Young can throw to a Bama wide receiver and John Mechie. They want to be the Bama of the NFL. That was their plan. But <laughs> life, all right, throws your fastballs, throws your curveball, and uh, you have to adapt. And I think for the Texans, they adapted. And I'm glad they did. I do believe because the Texans at one point, they wanted this draft to work out a certain way. It did not. You could not get the number one overall pick. You screwed that, that tankathon up. Another measure of gross ineptitude by the organization. But either way, you have to pay the price for all of those mistakes. And I do believe you overpaying to get your quarterback of the future and your foundational defensive piece, that was a price that had to be paid. It had to be paid. Yep, you had to do it. You had to do it. You had to do it. So I enjoy I say, I, 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 I like what they did, but there's no doubt, value-wise, they, they paid a lot. Mm-hmm. They paid a ton. They paid a ton, man. They did. They did. But, again, you you laid it out perfectly and what the expectations are and what mm-hmm. did you need to do. That's what they had to do. And, and it is important to understand that nobody in the NFL wants to be bad forever. 
You can't continue to go out there and be bad and think you're going to have a great fan base to come out and support. That doesn't make any sense because you start losing money. You start Mm – your your pocketbook gets affected. And I told y'all, they said during that fundraiser when they were like, we're going to be back. We're going to go out there. We got the right coach. We're going to go out there and get our quarterback, and we're going to bring in players – The reason we're not winning is because of other people, not him. And if you run your franchise or run your business or run anything of one guy who keeps messing up telling you why it's everybody else's fault, it's not a good system. And they just kept having that. And luckily, with this hire and this seemingly Cal McNair has finally figured out enough and Casario has realized enough that he has shortcomings and he needs help, that they finally realized, hey, we should have multiple people on this on this phone call. Because if it's just one person and he, for whatever reason, has a bias towards a player or has, a, has something, we miss yep. out on a guy because of one person closing their eyes to a fact that everyone else can see. Yeah, a blind spot. May not even see it. Blind yeah. it be a subconscious thing. And, and if you have that, then you're going to mess up a lot of things. And they <laughs> just, it was from Rick Smith. It was, Rick Smith was a GM. They weren't great, but I mean they were in the playoffs every year. Yeah, decent. And once they once they got rid of him and gave Bill O'Brien all the blanket power, instead of going to Bill O'Brien and go, "Hey, Bill O'Brien, who do you want to hire to help you out?" And that's still too much power. Right. They just gave him the power. Remember, they started firing people. They started, they started firing everybody, everybody, and then just giving that that job title or responsibility to either Jack they, used to be or Bill O'Brien. I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of no, sense. No, they, they <laughs> trade DeAndre Hopkins because Bill O'Brien doesn't like him. Yeah, it was a, yeah. exactly, it, and it wasn't that he was a bad player. It was nothing. It wasn't the contract or anything. It was because Bill O'Brien said, "I don't like this guy as a character guy on my team." I'm trading away for a terrible trade. And you're right, that's perfectly fine not to like him, but you just hit the nail on the head. There should have been a checks and balances, somebody there also within the organization at the time who could says, advise him and say, up. if you don't like him, that's okay. You know what? Maybe we do need to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, let's make sure we get maximum value let's for him first, Let's call more than one team. Let's exactly get max value <laughs> for him first, Bill. And, Bill, are you sure that the reason you don't like him, uh, are you sure that it's a professional reason? Are we talking about something personal here? Because, honestly, we shouldn't be judging our players about ding, things that personal ding. in their life that we don't agree with. I'm sure there are things in our life that we do personally that they don't agree with either. Uh, this is a professional and, and environment. It's a professional and, and environment. That's when's 100%. the last time you watched a David Johnson game? Because I'm guessing it was six years ago. Why are we trading for this guy? Exactly. exactly. Is somebody, yeah. What, what, what is somebody Buc- had a fantasy uh, team <laughs> that he did good on. No, Bucky calls him a dumbass coach. Yeah. yeah you man, need one of those. Yeah. You need somebody yeah. to advise you. But, yeah, the Texans, they gave way too much power. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yep. That was the case with Bill O'Brien. Jack used to be. Now the Texans. You know, Nick Casario's got power, but I don't think he's got too much power now. I think now he's been humbled a little bit by yeah. this process, and I think he's willing now to give up all, some of that yeah, power. Yeah. He wouldn't share some of that power if it means he's going to get a better result. And his strength, I do believe, is the draft. I think his strength is the draft. I, I th- and that's one of the that's reasons why, too, where you go, I can see faults in C.J. Stroud. I can see <laughs> faults in Will Anderson. If this guy, who I think is a good evaluator of talent, is very confident in that, I have more faith in those picks and more faith in the picks that you can make later in this draft because of his track record in picking in the draft. That I don't that I don't go, oh no, they're just picking this guy because they always just pick whoever the hot guy is. Yep. yep. They they're picking the guy that I think he knows well enough to go, no, no, I get it. And all this other noise was just noise in the silly season. And for whatever reason, people decided that CJ Stroud was awful. And because we didn't want to come because 
we prefer. And maybe, look, we don't know. He could have been number one on their board. And part of the reason they didn't say anything is because they really didn't want Carolina to take C.J. Stroud. It's possible. And I'm not saying – I mean, I can say that there's a possibility if you talk about injuries that anyone coming from San Francisco would be deathly afraid of their quarterback getting hurt. Yeah. I agree with that. Because we have seen the injury luck they have had the last few years. So there could be like, man, we need – can we get can we get not only CJ Stroud can we get him a, a some armor because we need this man stay on the field what but that, that's a possibility that they didn't want to change the narrative because they wanted him that's and cool and they know they're the yep. number two pick hey if if we if they think CJ Stroud sucks and, and Bryce Young's the guy it's good awesome for us. good yeah. for us uh, I hope that is the case actually that they had him the top guy on their board and even if they didn't they had Bryce Young's the top guy CJ Stroud is not. That far behind Bryce Young, I do like Bryce. I love Bryce oh, Young. And those Will Levis rumors when we're like, Will oh Levis seems goodness. much further, seems much further behind, doesn't he? Well, I'm glad they actually watched film on Will Levis because he did not deserve to be drafted in the first round. Neither did Anthony yeah. Richardson either. But Anthony Richardson's upside because of his athletic profile—that's yep. so freaky. Yeah. That's why he was drafted. Will Levis ain't got that kind of freakish athletic profile. Not even close to it. Yep. He's got a big arm. That's it. It's like, oh, a big arm. Ooh. Ooh. Exactly. exactly. Well, That's where I've, I've, I've always been there. There's guys that can throw a football through a wall. Exactly. They can't play quarterback ain't, in the NFL. Ain't got no touch. Right. Ain't accurate. Nothing. None of that. Come on. But man. you know what? He's got a big arm. He throws off the goalposts from his knees. <laughs> well, you know what? You're considered down if your knees are on the ground. <laughs> well, that's stupid because he's, he's down. Because he's down. That is a perfect way to end the segment. All right, we come back. We'll talk Cowboys and their pick of a Maisie Smith right here on Ball No Loud. What a- Baldo Live right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Baldo Live. That's my man Patrick. Takes jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings. And uh, you got a chance to see these very talented human beings live and in person right here in the live music capital of the world. And he lets you know exactly how you can do that. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Christian Shields, and he is playing Saturday at Come and Take It Live. Come and take it live. I like that. All right, we were going to talk Cowboys here. We're going to shift that conversation to the top of the six um, and then also get in some NBA discussion. But this, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is news of a breaking kind, um, maybe breaking bad news for Longhorn fans, but I thought they expected this anyway. Uh, but it's saying that Arterio Morris has committed to Kansas. Yep. Yeah, not hugely surprising. Not, that was yeah, one of the schools that he was uh, looking at before he went to Texas. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, you know, there is no tampering, but there's tampering. So hey, the most you violated know, rule. If, if you get that phone call and you go, hey, you know that guy that was ahead of you in the depth chart? The, the reason you didn't come here, he ain't here anymore. So yep. come on down. Yep, this is your opportunity. Yeah, so it is a mom spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> no, good for him, man. I mean, obviously, going from one good program to a great college basketball program. Um, yep. So it is official. Arterio Morris committing the five former five star recruit uh, and former Longhorn committing to. 
the University of Kansas. Shout out to my man CB. I think CB hit us hit up first on the Specs text line. And uh, I just, that, when you need to go confirm it, that's all CB needs to go confirm it. But it comes from uh, on three sports are the first one to break that story. No doubt. So a lot of news for Texas basketball today, or at least I should say in the last 24 hours. Uh, and some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, the good news, well, Next, you want I get bad news first, and you soften it up with the good. You a good news, bad news? Which one do you want first? When you when somebody says you want good news, I got good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? I want the bad news. Get that out the way. That's first. what I feel too. I'm like just get it out of the way, man, because I don't want to leave here angry. Yeah, yeah. Give I'm me a, something I can walk away with happy. I'm with that, Patrick. Bad news or good news first? When you get good news, bad news. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna say, give me the good news, and I'll just pretend the bad news doesn't exist. Ah. I'm gonna leave before you tell me, and then I don't even have to hear it. Okay. That's true. It's a good point. All right, so now I'm confused. I don't know which way to go here. I'm going to go with bad news first. I'm with the bad news first because I'm a bad news first guy. And it depends on who you're listening to, if it's good or bad, right? I like to Whatever cut. side you at. That's true. Yeah. I, I like to get the heartbreak out of the way and then give you some good news yep. to kind of soften that blow. Uh, so the bad news is that uh, Texas today uh, found out that Ron Holland, the uh, five-star player, uh, he also decommitted. Uh, this was in a statement via social media. And Harge, uh, you said it became official, official, not just via social media. He put out a statement saying, I want to take this time to thank head coach Rodney Terry mm-hmm. and the entire Texas coaching staff for their consideration. I would also like to thank the Longhorn Nation for all of their love and support. Uh, while this has been a difficult process, I have decided to decommit from University of Texas and reopen my recruitment. Texas will still be one of my top schools of choice. That's what the five-star forward Ron Holland uh, tweeted out on social media earlier today. Uh, but you found out some more news that made that official official, or it seems like even more official. Well, you start looking at this thing and you say, okay, why, why, why are you leaving, man? Why are you leaving? I think it's more because of the bag. I think it's more of, hey, man, we get a new player that's coming in. He may, got, he may have received a little bit more bread. And then you start looking around and you're saying, I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying any of this is true, but when you put yourself out there like that and you start looking around, it kind of goes back to the conversation that we had about Arterial Morris and how you go home and it's not Patrick's voice. It's the uncle that's at the barbecue that's sitting there talking to you, <laughs> talking about, say, man, I know that uh, there's some people over here that was talking to me last week that they think they got a little bit more. They, they, they freed up some more money for you, man, if you can get up out of there. <laughs> what you mean get up out of there? Well, come on over here. Let me talk to you about old old crazy uh, Steven. Your shady uncle over there. Is, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've hung yeah, out with him a lot. Uncle, yeah. I've hung out with a shady uncle before. <laughs> I've hung out with one. So he, is, he, is, he decided that that's what he wants to do. And he had signed his letter of intent. Mm. And then you look at it and he goes, hey, um, I need to get out of my national letter of intent. So you got to go through the NCAA. That's pretty You got to go through the uh, appeal process from yeah. the University of Texas. And if you are at the University of Texas or any university, we're just going to use the University of Texas because this is who we're doing it with, you have to honor that. If a kid requests to get out, there's a coaching change, even though, even though, let's not forget, he was one of the biggest supporters of Rodney Terry during his time during the McDonald's All-American game, every camp that he went to, Team USA. He was all about RT. Thank God. And then all of a sudden, bang, I want out of it. Uh, well, you know, because it might not have anything to do with RT. No, I agree yeah, with that. Uh, no, you know I, I mean? agree because he's, with that. People yeah. on the other side, though. I know. Well, people, they may, 
they may understand that it has nothing to do with RT. Listen, it's not RT's fault, but it is his problem. It is it definitely this is, this his is what This is what right. being a head coach at Texas is. Yeah, it ain't your, it ain't your fault, Sark, but it is your problem. That's right. Exactly right. 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 That's right. So I'm going to need you to coach figure Pierce, it out. Yeah, all the coaches all y'all coaches like, hey, here. I know. You know what? Life ain't fair. It ain't your fault, it but it's your fault, problem. But it's your problem. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's like your kids, eh? <laughs> that's your fault and your problem. I'm also going to say, dang it. That's both of them, actually. I'll take that away. But anyway, I agree with you. I think, honestly, this is more of a renegotiation, and he wants to renegotiate. Negotiate in the NIL, NIL transfer yep. portal world that we live in, where the NCAA is really afraid of any litigation, so they really don't question any movement by players. And yep. I'm, honestly, I'm fine with that. Uh, these players do have the flexibility, and they do have a lot more. Harsh brings up all the time. They have a lot more options lot that can them. help them monetize their skill set. And no if I can renegotiate, and listen. Somebody's going to want this kid because he's damn good. Oh, man. He can renegotiate because somebody whispered a better offer or there were reports of a better offer or someone um, advised him that he could get uh, more money, whatever it is. More money, more I, money, I'm not more mad money. At, yeah, I'm not mad at that. And back, and that, going back to your point, Harge, he can't officially negotiate or renegotiate until I get the NIL. Yep. Get up out of there. I yeah. got to get that thing removed. And it's so it's so strange, the the game that is being played out there so much. And I know a lot of people, as we said, they're at RT's head talking about, oh, this is this, this is this. The only reason why it seems like it's RT is because this is the one that you're paying attention to. Mm. There's It's probably happening all over the country. You're just not diving into it across the country. Oh, yeah. You sit there and you look at it as because this is – where you want to pay attention to. But if you go and look at Kansas, you go and look at Oklahoma, you go and look at UCLA and USC and all these other schools, it's happening. Yep, It's happening. You're just trying to figure it out because it's yours. And here's the other part. Let's not get it twisted. Texas only had two recruits in this past cycle. One wanted to go to the to the G League or overseas because he wants bread now, and he's projected to be a first-round pick. So do you want to go do school? That's why they need to go ahead and change the rule and not have these kids come to the universities anymore. The well, one and dumb thing is really silly. It's going to be around for a little while. It's going to be around. But, they're, but now they're the, with the G League and all the other stuff, they're, they're opening up more ways for exactly. you to not do it. More options. No, but like Duke had a guy that was supposed to come in. Filipowski said he's coming back for another year. One of the top prospects, one of the top recruits in the country. And he backed out because he goes, oh, that guy in front of me is going to be there. I'm not competing. I'm out. Going to yep, their school. Yep. And he knows. He also knows that money goes down. Because if I play 15 minutes a game, they ain't paying me money like I'm playing 35 minutes a game. Yep. That's why it's just the way it is. Yep. And so some of these guys, they understand. I don't want to play in a, in a system where I'm not going to be the guy because the money goes down. That's I never thought about that, but we have to start thinking like that. It, no, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> that's the it, world we're living and in. And if you talk about, <laughs> if you told me when I was 17 years old that I could make a hundred, that I could make a hundred thousand dollars. And have morals, and make two point five million, and have no morals. I would be very happy with my two point five million dollars because I'm seventeen. And you're like, that is a lot of money, and there is no guarantees in life. I could blow out my knee, mm-hmm. and and I, I've got more money. Like, it, it's a ridiculous amount of money that some of these guys are going to get, especially when you talk about coaches. Like again, Kentucky's a name that comes up a lot right now with Ron Holland and John Calipari, who is more on his hot seat right now that people are not thrilled that he hasn't been competing at that level and getting the very top recruits. This is a guy that may go top three in the NBA draft next year that he can go out to his guys that he has good relationships with and be like, hey, man, 
we need to open up the checkbook because this is going to bring Kentucky back to where we were. Mm-hmm. And so that's there. You're competing with that at Texas. Texas isn't out of it, but the commit you got from a guy who was a first round for a, a round one draft pick is not the same as a guy who was a top three, top five draft pick in the NBA draft. That's just the reality of it in today's game. The price change. Yeah, it is. And when you went to when you had a national ever intent and you went to go talk to one of the to to Rodney or Wheels or whoever it was and go, Well, I need we need to renegotiate, they go, Oh, well we don't we don't do that. Yeah, we locked in the price. It's we, like, we locked yeah. in, he goes, like, Well then I'm locking out. Exactly. You no, know, you know what he said? <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Today's price is not yesterday's yeah, price. Yeah, you can't you can't lock that in because like circumstances like change, you guys can, can renegotiate no time. So it's up to yeah. the big money donors, BMDs. To step up. This is the game. Yep, yep. Whether you like it or not. All right, we come back. We'll talk Cowboys on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 the Horn.